In fact, that's what I was going to talk about tonight. It's all in the mind. It's all in the head. Um, th that's why I did this equanimity meditation, um, this letting things just drop away this week um, in the morning meditation because I was thinking about, I had this feeling of being overwhelmed earlier in this week because there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of things that have to get done. I've got a lot of projects and my old habit is to pile them all up and let them weigh me down. They just kind of all move into my head and um, they wake me up at three o'clock in the morning and I toss and I turn and, um, and I realize it's restlessness and worry, which is one of the hindrances. It's just this, this churning, 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 churning. Um, and sometimes it takes me a while to recognize that I have this, for me, the word overwhelm is, is helpful. It's like, oh, overwhelmed. Um, because the key, when I recognize it's like, oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm reminded by what a teacher, um, Arena Weissman, said um, years ago. She said, I was talking to her about this, and she said, overwhelm is in the mind. You know, and it's true because all these things I have to do, I have them piled up to do right now and, and I carry them around like there's something I have to do in this moment. But it's not. The present moment is just sitting here. The present moment is maybe doing one thing or not doing anything or maybe I have to feed the cat or do the dishes or something. That might be it instead of, you know, all these other lists of projects or what, other, what else happens is I start going, why did you say yes to that one? Why did you? And I start berating myself, trying to figure out how I got into this place um, and how did I do this to myself again, blah, blah, blah. And so when I remember that it's all in the mind, um, I can instead, like the invitation for this practice was is to let that go and just be right here. Let that go and be where my feet are, be where my hands are, be with my breath, breathing in and breathing out. I remember a couple of months ago, I was having this feeling, and uh, what was underneath it was this, when I let go of the stuff, what came up for me in the moment was this sense of perfectionism and having to be all things to all people, and, and then recognizing that. And then this week, when I was able to let the stuff go, there was actually nothing underneath it. It was just me grabbing onto everything and piling it all up. And when I let it go, it was like, oh, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. You know, my mind was lost in its own story, um, that fabrication of tomorrow and yesterday. And what in thinking about this and how it's all in the mind, I thought about the phrase or the word papancha, which is a Pali word that I love. It's got a, it's, it, I love the sound of it and it means the proliferation of thought. It means the mind just one thing leads to another, leads to another. It's one of my favorite words, um, although it's not, I mean, the, what it is, what it means isn't necessarily that great. Um, but we get caught in proliferation. In fact, one of the lines in the Dhammapada said, people delight in proliferation. The Tathagata, the Buddha, in non-proliferation. So this, this, this churning, churning, churning mind is exactly what the Buddha was asking us to let go of. And Alexander Olensky, 
teacher wrote about papancha in Lion's Roar a few years ago, and he said the exact derivation of the word is not entirely clear, but it has three aspects. One is that um, to spread out or proliferate, an illusion or an obsession, an obstacle or an impediment. So those three kind of are what's happening when we get lost in our mind. The, the thoughts just take over. Um, it's an illusion. We're just making it up. We're making up stories because we can't predict tomorrow. We don't know what's happening, although our minds can tell us exactly. Or what happened yesterday, a lot of that is fant- fabrication as well. And an obstacle, it gets in the way of our being present. It's, and it's, it's suffering. It's absolutely suffering when we get caught in this place. And I know you all can relate to it. I mean, just the fact that you've all meditated, you see how the mind just, even when you say, okay, I'm just going to sit here and be present, and then you're off and running. That's why I always love when people tell me, um, when they hear I teach meditation, they go, I can't meditate. My mind's too, my mind's too active. My mind... I can't stop my thinking, and I'm like, that's what the practice is about. That's what it's about, is recognizing that, you know. And we all have these loops that just play over and over again. The details might be different, but the, the way where it goes, we all have the story how it's going to end up in a certain particular way, and it's just over and over and over. That's the obsessive part of what papancha means. And I, 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 when I was in college, I had to learn programming, I mean, ancient on IBM cards, and you had to give commands. And one of the things that you would invariably do is write a command that had no exit. And so you would just have this infinite loop. So the, com- the, the computer would just perform this thing over and over and over again and not go anywhere. And so that's like what the head does when it gets caught in this proliferation of thought. It's just running amok. And um, Alensky says, again, for most of us, the monkey mind chatters incessantly as it swings from one branch to another, seizing first this thought, then that idea, then a host of miscellaneous associations, memories, and fantasies. The basic themes around which all of, act- all of this activity swirls, according to the insights of the Buddha, our craving, conceit, and views, wanting something, making it about ourselves, making it personally, and our fixed ideas. We could watch this show all day long and learn very little. I've, I've been lost in those thoughts, not just for days, but for, I mean, not just for a day, but for days. Just, just so lost in that. Um, you know, which is why it's so challenging for people to sit. I mean, I'll, I'll give one, offer one example, although um, I'm sure you can think of some. This is just my favorite because it's, for me, it was just extraordinary. When I, before I was married, when I was camping, I was, my car broke down. Many of you have heard this already. And the car, my car broke down. And Mikey's saying hello. My car broke down and, um, I thought, oh, i got to take care of my car. Uh, it's a broken down car. I need to get a new car. I don't have enough money to get a new car. If I want a new car, i got to get a new job. I'm never going to get a job in Los Angeles. I'm going to have to move back to New York to get a job. If I move back to New York, I'm not going to be able to get married. I was engaged. I wasn't married yet. This is like 
in 10 seconds, maybe I went, you know, and that happens all the time to us. This, then this, then this, then this, then this. You can see it a lot of times in meditation, monkey mind takes over. And sometimes we go, how did I end up here? Sometimes, sometimes if you catch it soon enough, you can see how, oh, this led to this, led to this, led to this. Um, which is why when you forget things or, or you, or you, or you um, don't know where you found something, it's like go back and retrace it and maybe that same um, um, path of thought will, will come up again and you'll be able to remember where you put it or, or what you were thinking about. So it's really um, uh, amazing how quickly the mind just takes off. And we do it with thoughts, we do it with sounds, with music. You know, you can hear a song, you can hear a particular sound, and it can remind you of something, take you somewhere. Um, smells, I know smells can take me, I, I have it not all the time, but quite frequently it'll take me to Syria. because I used to excavate in Syria and I'll smell something and immediately be somewhere else. It's extraordinary if you pay attention. So. And then once you're in that place, then the proliferation of thought takes over. And you're nowhere near where you are. You're nowhere near um, uh, the present moment. Um, you know, another, another danger is thinking that the monkey mind is important and we have to pay attention to everything that shows up. And it's not true because it is this, this just the, the neurons in the brain doing what they do, one leading to the next, leading to the next. It doesn't mean, oh, I thought it, therefore I must address it. You can let go, which is what's so great about the practice in mindfulness. You just re let, release, 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 return, return, return. Um, there's a sutta that says what one thinks about, that's what proliferates. You know, thinking run amok. And I love, I love the Dhammapada has some lovely ways of describing this um, in, the, in the chapter on the mind. It says, just as an aerosmith shapes an arrow to perfection with fire, so does a wise man shape his mind, the mind, which is fickle, unsteady, vulnerable, and erratic. Um, how good it is to reign the mind, which is unruly, capricious, rushing wherever it pleases. The mind so harnessed will bring happiness. I like this one too. A wise man should pay attention to his mind, which is very difficult to perceive. It is extremely subtle and wanders wherever it pleases. The mind well guarded and controlled will bring happiness. So left to its own devices, the mind is just going to run all over the place, just run amok. And so the mindfulness is the training of the mind. Um, it's, like I said, it's, hap it, it's all in the mind, but it happens so quickly. But as we practice, we can begin to calm down and recognize those patterns and even any emotions that may be attached and come back and tend to the, what's um, present rather than what's out there. Um, so how does this happen? Breaking it down, it's any of our senses perceive something. So our, my eye sees this pen, and then instead of just ha I, you know, let sight be sight, I, there's an object there, my brain kicks in and says pen. There's a perception, a consciousness. And this contact is what um, 
kicks it off. And if it was like maybe I noticed a giant water bug, there might be an unpleasant feeling that arose that comes with it. So, and then there might be a story that goes with that. Um, I start labeling it in the mind. And then what I perceive, I think about. And what I think about, I objectify and make it a thing. Make it a thing. Um, and based on what we objectify and how we, how we shape it, how we perceive it, it hangs out, it's good, it's bad, it turns into overwhelm, it turns into joy, it turns into all these things. But it's because we have made contact with something and let the mind take over, immediately moved into defining it in our mind, labeling, labeling it good, bad, pleasant, unpleasant, and then taking off from there. So that's why often the, 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 the invitation in practice is to just let sight be sight without putting our definition on it because you all know we can, two people, three people, five people can see the same thing and have a different experience of it. That old story of the blind men feeling the elephant, touching the elephant in a different place and then being asked what's, the, uh, what's an elephant like and one of them has the trunk and one of them has the tail, one of them has a, a leg and they're all obviously very different but it's, you know, it's because we have only a, a particular piece of it and we only see what we see based on our conditioning. I, I, the other day, Thursday, this, my experience was um, I, um, Thursday is our garbage day and we put the cans out and they come and they do it and then we roll the cans back later in the day. And there's a lot of traffic on my block because a lot of people parking and a lot of people coming and going. And um, Thursday I was sitting right here on this sofa and looked, noticed somebody, I could see out the window there, somebody was parking and they had moved the can and put it on the curb. And I immediately jumped up and went running out without thinking. I saw that it immediately kicked in the story. I got lost in my mind and I went out there and I started yelling at him. It's like not really loudly and ugly, but like, what are you doing? How, like, I can't remember what I said, but I'm usually very snarky when I do that. Um, and the reason... I feel, because the story that I have made up in my mind, somebody is parking in front of my house because they're going to the gun store around the corner. There's a gun store literally, like, it won't even take you two minutes to walk there. And there's traffic all the time, constantly. There's another gun store up the block, but they park up there. Um, and so I immediately get into this judgment of these people and so just seeing somebody move a, a can, and I, I go into this place and I go out with I, what I think about. It's like Medusa with the snakes coming out of my head, just like, you know, um, fire coming out. And I've done that many times. I don't do that, but it's just this combination of things just kicks this off, this all in the mind, this overwhelm, this proliferation of thought. Who does he think he is? What is he doing? moving this, and, I, and, and it's, I'm doing things I really don't want to do, saying things I don't want to say, and then after the fact, the thought of, should you really be talking to people like this who are going to buy guns? It's like, <laughs> probably not. So, um, not that they're going to come back and shoot me, but um, 
I, you shouldn't talk to anybody but like that, but it's when we're not paying attention to the contact, when we're not paying attention to the big picture, we, we do things we don't like. And I only bring that example up because it just happened to me, and unfortunately it happens a lot on garbage day. Um, not any other day, I just, I just, other days. But when they start moving stuff around, it's annoying. So anyway, um, we do things we don't want to do when we don't pay attention, and it's all in the mind. So um, if I can just have sight and see that, and maybe experiencing the unpleasant, but not have to take it on and not create a scenario around it. Olensky also says, as the mind moves through the stages of assembling experience from awareness to perception to conception to proliferation, it moves farther and farther into the realm of macro construction. At each step, we see less of things as they are and more of things as we construe them to be. Meditation practice works to reverse this process. In the phrases used in the early texts, one abandons obsessive perceptions and thoughts, cuts through mental proliferation, and rests at ease in non-proliferation. And it might not surprise us to hear that those who overcome papancha cross beyond grief and sorrow. However busy it looks from this side, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know? So it's a matter of just training and retraining um, the mind to let go of identification with experience. I had a friend call me today. We were talking, and she was, she was excited because she was working with a client that she hadn't worked with a few, in a few years, and the, and the woman was very loud and boisterous and kind of like bordering on a, a bullying kind of personality. And she's like, and I didn't take any of it personally, which is great. And that's what this practice is. It's like not taking it on that's the conceit that the buddha talked about it's like that's why we get stuck in this because we make it about us and it's not about us they're not moving the garbage cans to piss me off they're just trying to find a parking space but when we create this scenario about us then we suffer so we we um we have to be willing to let go. We have to be willing to pause, make some space around our experience. That's what the that's what the part of the invitation with the meditation practice is, is just be and have this space between us and the reaction. Um, you know, let go of our, our our ideas about what we think is really happening and get in touch with what is happening. Because what we think is happening and what really is happening may not be anywhere near each other. So to, to let go of the thought and be fully present. It's not easy because we're enamored of our, we're enamored of our, our thinking. It's subtle. It's sweet. It's what we know. Even if it's painful, it's what we know. And it can be so hard to let go of our fixed ideas, even if we know they're not that good for us. Because it, it's, it's what we know. And it's familiar. And it's, it must be important. And it feels very personal because it's stories about us and our life and people in our lives and what might happen to us and what did happen to us. But if we can just release, slow down the mind, slow down the mind, 
let go of identification with what the mind is doing. The mind is just, the neurons are firing, you know? It, it, it picks up on something and it runs with it. You don't have to run after it. Just let it go. It, it stays with us when we hold on to it. If we release it, it passes. You know, release the thought and come back from the proliferation. The teaching, the teaching on beginner's mind is really helpful for this. Instead of just going with the flow, you ask, what is this? What's going on? That's, that's kind of like one of the factors of awakening, this investigation. What is this? Mindfulness allows us to have investigation. We bring effort. We're willing to do it again. We're willing to let go. We're willing to stay present. And just let the experience be the experience. Let sound be sound. You know, release the attachment. Let, let thought be thought. It doesn't have to mean anything. Let them float by. You know, think without being caught in the thought. See without being caught by the sight. Be fully right here. You know, this is what Thich Nhat Hanh was great about. He would, you know, when you're drinking tea, drink tea. Be fully present for what you're doing. Don't miss it. When you're walking, when you're sitting, when you're petting the cat, be with it. How often are we somewhere else? Often. I have conversations with people and I am nowhere near where they are. It's extraordinary how powerful the mind is and what it can do, which is why it's so important to make the effort to be here. You know? And then I also want to say that there are times where we do drift intentionally, doing it with eyes wide open. We want to reminisce about past times. We want to think about the future. We want to do that, but we do it knowing we're doing it, and, and, and there is a difference. We're not lost in it. I mean, we can, we can get lost in the reminiscence, but we know what we're doing. You know, give ourselves permission to do those things. And, and cultivate this equanimity of not being knocked over by whatever arises. The Dalai Lama says, um, with equanimity, you can deal with situations with calm and reason while keeping your inner happiness. You know? keeping your inner happiness, that ease that's present when we're not running hither, thither, and yon, when we're not caught in monkey mind, in papancha. So spacious awareness. Give yourself some space and, and let go of any pre preference. I wrote this really, really wise thing down. No preference, no papancha. No preference, no papancha. So... Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends. It was lovely to be with you, and I hope, um, I hope this uh, is of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology, that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.